Malachi chapter 1, an oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel, so is Malachi. I have loved you, said the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Isaiah Jacob's brother? The Lord says, yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have had turned his mountains into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, so we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great in the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I am father, where is the honor due to me? And if I am a master, where is the respect due to me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is your, O priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have you shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is it not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled of diseased animals, is it not wrong? Try offering them to our governor. Would he be blessed with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now implore God to be gracious to us. With such offering from your hands will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light yourselves fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations, from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offering will be brought to my name, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, it is defiled, and of its food, it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring insured, crippled, or decided animals and offer them as sacrifice, should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable mile in his flock and wolves to give it, but then sacrifice a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Thank you, Kate.
Morning, everybody. I'm going to quote Walter C. Kaiser because I couldn't have put the message of this book better myself. Quote, When times are hard, it's difficult to believe that God loves us. All appearances seem to count against such a belief. Yet that is exactly what this little book of Malachi is all about. Yahweh still loves Israel, despite all appearances to the contrary. And the same unchanging Lord still loves us. God's people have returned after their exile. But the glorious promises announced by the prophets had not yet been realized. They thought that the land would be fruitful. Here we go, Daniel. Ezekiel 34, 26 to 30. I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing, says the Lord. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in the land. They will know that I am the Lord. When I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those that have ensnared them, enslaved them, they will live in safety and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for, for them a land renowned for its crops and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord, that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. They thought, the people of Israel at Malachi's time, thought that the population would grow mightily. Isaiah 54, verses 1 to 3. Remember, these are all the Hebrew Hebrew Bibles. So the the Jews, the Israelites would have known these verses very well. Isaiah, sing, barren woman. Are never in labour, because more are the children of the of the desolate woman. The people were far fewer. They were still under a Persian governor.
It's God's covenant love for Israel. Verse 1 says, A prophesy. Brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Esau, like that I have loved and remains to the present day. God has announced are not destroyed. The eyes of a people. and to their own separation from God. They have denied the fact and significance of God's love. But through Malachi, God reminds Israel of, this, of the special relationship of covenant love that he established with their forefathers. In the covenant relationship, one loved is the covenant ally, while one hated is simply someone outside of the covenant relationship. The statement pair, love-hate, concerns election rather than emotions. Jacob and his line are chosen by God, while Esau and his line are not. But it's important to say that Esau is, is still under the Abrahamic promise, so it's not as if Esau is excluded altogether and cast into hell. He's not. He's just excluded from the promise of God's chosen people. God's hate for Esau is expressed in terms of geography. Esau is the forefather of the Edomites, Genesis 36, who lived in the mountain land beyond the river Jordan. It is proud in its secure location, thinking itself invulnerable to enemy attack. The theme of the letter of Obadiah is that Edom is proud of its own security and it has gloated over Israel's destruction by foreign powers. Obadiah 3. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, you who have made your home on the heights. 
you who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? But God is angry with Edom. She herself will be destroyed. It will become a wasteland where wild animals roam. Verse 4. Edom I say, though we've been crushed, we will rebuild. We will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. God denies the effectiveness of Edom's rebuilding by saying that he would demolish. As a result of God's destruction, Edom will no longer be known for its pride, Obadiah 3, but its land will be known for wickedness. God acts in judgment of Edom. In verse 5, God speaks again to his people. You will see it with your own eyes and say, Great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. This is a promise to the Israelites of Malachi's day. You will see it and you will say. The theme of this passage and this book is God's love for his people. The greatness of the Lord is not seen in, judgment, in the judgment on Edom, but in the demonstration of his love for Israel. So here it is. God's love is called in question by Israel. But, but it is proven by God in the histories and destinies of both Israel and Edom. And finally, this had to be acknowledged by Israel. You will see it with your own eyes. In the next part, God speaks to us, to you and me, and to the whole of creation. Before I continue, I need, I need to say, this is, uh, what do we call it? An aside. <laughs> I need to say that God is free. He didn't need to create anything. So the mystery of our existence is this. Why does creation exist at all? As a philosopher um, once said, why is there something and not nothing? Why does creation exist at all? Why, in his utter kindness, did God decide to make something to exist alongside himself? This mystery is given an answer by the Apostle Paul in the letter to the Ephesians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms 
with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. God chose to create, to draw his creation into relationship with himself as adopted children through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. This is the will of God. The mystery of our existence is answered by the love of God. That's why there's something and not nothing. And that's why we praise him. His kindness and generosity is met by thankfulness. And the love of God is expressed towards us through Jesus Christ. Another aside, it's, <laughs> it's said that the universe must have a firm foundation. A sure foundation that doesn't depend on any proof from beyond itself. This has led to endless debates among physicists and lots of books being written. But let me tell you a little story. A well-known scientist once gave a public lecture on astronomy. He described how the Earth orbits around the Sun and how the Sun, in turn, orbits the centre of a vast number of stars called our galaxy. At the end of the lecture, a little old lady at the back of the room got up and said, What you have told us is rubbish. The world is really a flat plate supported on the back of a giant tortoise. The scientist gave a slightly superior smile and said, If that's true, madam, what is the tortoise standing on? And it, You're very clever, young man, very clever said the old lady, but it's turtles all the way down. <laughs> so, there's a purpose in that. <laughs> so all the created things we see around us and ourselves, what are they ultimately based on? In Christian theology, the love of God is its own foundation. It is the reality of realities, the foundation on which all else must, must stand. What is the world standing on? The love of God. What is the love of God standing on? It's the love of God all the way down. That means our very existence is tied to the notion of covenant. Creation is a space 
where the love of God is given to creation and where creation responds with faith and love. But what is this love anyway? It's the love of God. How does it apply to us? Ephesians 4, verses 31 to 32 says, We must get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. It's that type of love, and we are called to live in it. But how did this happen? Jesus, God the Son, became a human and lived out in our humanity a life of perfect obedience. Life of perfect obedience to and love of God the Father. In so doing, he took our humanity that had been twisted away from God and bent it back towards God. Jesus took our position on himself. And from within our alienation from God, said, not my will, but your will. Jesus did this as one of us and for all of us. And ultimately, it's at the cross that the faithful love of God is met with the answering faithfulness of creation. Jesus hung there and drew into himself the awful reality of humanity's rebellion against God. The Father had to turn his face away. And Jesus threw himself into that awful darkness. Trusting that beyond the darkness was the greater light of God's love towards its creation. In Jesus, God has become one of us and stood in our place to give the response of humanity as the created covenant partner of God. He is the one who, by the blood of his own sacrifice, has entered the Holy of Holies and presents our humanity before the Father in love and praise. This realization of the covenant love of God is atonement. That's what atonement means. It's accomplished by Jesus Christ acting from the side of God as God and from the side of humanity as a human. There is, there is thus, as the last ver verse from Ephesians said, no room for bitterness, rage and anger, but only for love expressed towards God and towards each other.
The message of Malachi is that the events of this world may often cause us to look away from God and become involved in our own problems. But God says instead, look to me. And God has shown us his wonderful love in Jesus. Let's pray. Acts chapter 17 verse 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of, our own, some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Father God, thank you for your love in creation. Thank you for, um, for each other. Thank you for your world. Thank you for the trees outside. Thank you for the wonderful diversity of humanity. All brought near to you through the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. I don't know how to do it, Anne. Let's <laughs> um, now enter a time of communion. Let's read a few verses from Isaiah 53, and f- verses 4, 7, and 10 to 12. Surely he took our pain and, and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of a soul. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he did no violence, there was any deceit found in his mouth. In his mouth. 
Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his, in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him portion among the great and will divide his spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. In the New Testament, Jesus ordered that before he, he was crucified, Jesus told his disciples to set up a last supper. And he said to them, Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. God touching humanity, touching us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf. We thank you that we have these um, very human things like bread for flesh and wine for blood to, to, to always remember that you became one of us you died as one of us but you were raised to eternal glory Um, so